Hey good people, my name is Akil Cole and you're listening to Community Blooms. Community Blooms brings you refreshing, inspiring, and hopeful stories from real people working to protect the environment, educate those around them, and improve the health of people near and far. This is a podcast by the Community Ecology Institute, or CEI, a nonprofit organization based in Columbia, Maryland, whose mission is cultivating communities where people and nature thrive together. Today's episode features Lori Lilly and Peter Iwu from Howard EcoWorks. As you can learn on their website, Howard EcoWorks is a nonprofit organization specializing in stormwater management and workforce development. Through a number of programs and initiatives, EcoWorks strives to develop environmental stewardship through education and action, performing best management practices throughout Howard County. Lori is the founder and executive director of Howard EcoWorks, while Peter is a marketing intern at EcoWorks and a student at Morgan State University. Among other things, the three of us discussed workforce development, environmental justice, and formative experiences interacting with the environment. Lastly, this episode was recorded in April of 2021, so some of our conversation makes references based on that time. Thanks for tuning in to Community Blooms. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Community Blooms. Today, we have two very special guests from Howard EcoWorks. It's my pleasure to introduce Lori Lilly and Peter Iwo. Peter, did I pronounce your last name correctly? Iwo, but it's fine, Iwo, yeah. Um, so would you please introduce yourselves? Sure. I'm Lori Lilly, and I'm the executive director of Howard EcoWorks. Uh, we're based a nonprofit organization based out of Columbia, Maryland. I'm uh, Peter Ewu, marketing communications intern at Howard EcoWorks and also Morgan State University student as well. Awesome. Um, thank you, too. Um, so let's just get right into things. I often try to ask everyone who is featured on the podcast how they originally get started with environmental work. So, um, Ms. Lily, we'll start with you. How did you get introduced to environmental work? Is there maybe a particular moment or maybe a watershed moment that you have that speaks to your memory? Um, I've always been interested in the environment and um, animals and natural resources and water um, ever since I was a little girl. Um, I grew up outside of Philadelphia um, in a suburban town called Paoli. And by my neighborhood, there was a stream that I used to play in all the time when I was little. Um, and I look for salamanders turning over rocks. Um, so that was one of the like fundamental kind of shaping moments for what got me interested in the environment. It turned out um, later that um, when I was in around high school, we found out that, that that stream that I played in when I was little was contaminated with PCBs, which is a extremely carcinogenic um, chemical that causes cancer. Uphill of where we lived was a, a train station and the people that operated the train station would dump these terrible chemicals just, um, and of course it was in an African-American neighborhood, so it was also a social justice issue, but they would dump these chemicals just out into the neighborhood and they would go down the hill and into the stream that I played in when I was little. And it turned into 
a really big lawsuit and that area became a super fun site. And um, all of the people that lived in the neighborhood received small checks. I mean, the, the, the amount of um, financial um, retribution was really minimal compared to the impact. Um, and uh, even the people in our neighborhood received checks from the company that had done that wrongdoing. But that all of that, um, you know, that initial fascination with the natural world and then that injustice really sparked some of my activism around protecting the environment and natural resources. Yeah. I, I definitely appreciate the flagging of the social justice aspect of that. And I think the fact that in such a short span of time between like your childhood and reaching high school, that's something that you valued, something that you were able to interact with was contaminated and causing people real tangible harm um, yeah. is, is a really relatable aspect of people's involvement. Yeah, I mean, it, it was really terrible and it happens all the time, even still it's, um, yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate, but that's, uh, and from there, I, in high school, I, I started our environmental club um, there and I went on to study natural resources um, and just had many experiences throughout my life that just further nurtured my um, passion for preserving and restoring our environment. That's, that's what's up. Peter, how about you? How did you originally get involved and connected with environmental work? I was, as far as the position specifically to answer the question, I was notified by my school about the position. But um, one thing that uh, was uh, interesting, because what they do is, again, like as we're all talking about something that's beneficial to the community that we all live in, regardless of like what you're going to school for. So my skill set of marketing, um, like of helping create more visual aspects and visual content around everything they're doing to kind of make the moment live more um, on social media is kind of where I come in. But essentially kind of just to help better aid um, the purpose of everything they're doing um, through social media media activations and strategy so yeah i'm kind of on the um really on the marketing side of things per se but all of to uh, like you know achieve the goal of helping helping our community through everything that they're doing and all their unique programs that they're having to reach out to students from you know the uh high school level to the university levels like people like myself all around is helping the community um in different aspects so i'm just here to kind of help push and support that um that narrative yeah i i appreciate i really appreciate one just both of you being here but um particularly with that perspective that you don't necessarily need to be directly or maybe even like from uh, an early place connected to the environment in a visceral way. And I can tell you that, at least from my perspective, people like you who have a marketing background that have the marketing skills are so needed. Climate action needs good storytellers, needs good communicators. And like what you're doing um, is just really, really fascinating. So speaking of the work that you two do now, um, in my research on Howard Eagle Works, I saw a lot. This is a very busy organization. Uh, Ms. Lily, um, would you care to elaborate on some of the work that goes on in Howard Eagle Works? Sure, yeah. Um, it is quite a bit, as uh, Peter found out right away when he came on as our intern. <laughs> we immediately bombarded him with all of our, our needs. Um, our, our mission is dual-fold for both workforce development and the environment. We are very passionate about getting people engaged and trained and given skills so that they can then enter the workforce as our 
as advocates and as um, trained people for the environment. Um, so the, largely that is what we are about is uh, putting people into the workforce that have a greater awareness and hopefully skills and the knowledge to um, pursue a career in the environment. Uh, that's our ultimate goal, but um, hopefully we at least um, instill a sense of stewardship in everybody that comes through our company. Um, but we have multiple workforce programs. Um, we have the Summer Ready Program, Restoring the Environment and Developing Youth, which is for 16 to 25-year-olds. Um, it's specifically for Howard County residents, and they're giving an eight to 10-week program um, where they learn um, all about um, the construction and maintenance of different types of environmental projects. And they receive a certificate at the end of, well, actually at the beginning of their program um, called Chesapeake Bay Landscaping Professional Associate. So that's one program that we have. Um, and then we also have a program called Uplift and that's a nine to 10 month program. It's more for a professional development or professional career track. Um, that ideally will end in employment with one of our employer partners. Um, and for that program, we target any aged individual. Um, we really hope to engage those that are underrepresented or underserved in the workforce and try to get them um, targeted or at least exposed to a career within the environment. Um, they receive much more in-depth applications and uh, for design construction and maintenance of environmental projects, but also uh, a lot more professional development and soft skills development. Um, and then our third major program is called Seeds of Change, and that is at the Howard County Department of Corrections, where we have uh, a native plant nursery established just outside of the fence, and we work with the inmate population. They help us with um, growing our plants, watering them, maintaining them. Um, and in exchange for their service in the nursery, they receive reduced sentences on their time in jail, um, which is a benefit to them. And it's a benefit to the corrections department because they don't have to house them as long. Um, but at the same time that they're doing this volunteer work with us, they are getting outside, they're getting fresh air, they're getting sun, they're working in the soil, they're working with plants. So it's it's about in that particular moment, it's, it's more about rehabilitation and more about um, helping people's mental well-being while they're in that kind of institutional um, setting to help, uh, you know, uplift them and really, you know, help them to have a better perspective. And then we've, we've integrated different types of training into the corrections department work. Um, ideally, we would like to create a, a jail to jobs pipeline, but that's still in development. Um, we'd like to be able to offer internships to inmates that had worked with us immediately upon release so that that helps with their re-entry process if they have a job that they can immediate, immediately take in our nursery that can help them get them get them back on their feet as you know one of the barriers to getting back to returning to society um so th those are our three major programs um for workforce development but we do really a lot as an environmental leader in our region um, we are, you know, forging the way for Ellicott City, we are, um, which has experienced multiple floods, but we, we are an important um, 
community-based leader and innovator for projects and engagement um, to help remediate flooding. And we do that in multiple ways. Um, so I think largely that that's a pretty good overview of our company. It was a lot just to say that, but there's more, but I'll just let it go there. <laughs> I mean, that's excellent. I mean, just, just on the workforce development side, there's so much, I mean, there's a, there's a deep amount of impact there. I mean, the thing that really stuck out to me personally was the seeds of change um, and your initiative to you're trying to establish that, that jail to jobs pipeline, because I think that really brings together multiple sectors of people's lives and not having to look one way for jobs and look one way for, you know, personal fulfillment and look one way for mental health um, mm -hmm. and putting it all into one is, is humane. It, it's, mm -hmm. in, it's intuitive, but it's not obvious. And I, I applaud you in your work for that. Um, yeah, thank you. For sure. Um, so Peter, on the marketing side, how are you, how do you go about translating all of these initiatives, all of these programs and making it palatable for people on social media and through your work? Yeah. Um, like I was mentioning earlier, I think one of my strategies that I'm trying to, um, you know, test the waters of right now is very like much around like the visual aspects and creating like a lot of visuals. Cause I know in the beginning, like it was a lot of pictures. Um, but now like we're trying to do like more engaged vi visuals with like the team members involved, like the people who are participating in supporting the, the, the motive involved, um, like their volunteers and their neighbors. Um, we just did one for their, their alternative spring break program. So it was kind of great to see, <clears throat> like the volunteers and the neighbors come out and support the initiative and kind of capture all that individual aspect into like one clip that I'm pretty sure um, after like the final edits, um, it'll be able to be very digestible to people who haven't heard of the program or know exactly what's going on. So I'm really just trying to like bring um, a lot of like visual content. And also uh, we noticed that uh, of course, like development platforms like TikTok still have space for environmental education, environmental um, information. So we definitely plan to attack that side of uh, social media as well. So really just kind of utilizing a lot of like visual content um, to live on TikTok and Instagram and all the other social media platforms as well. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I think storytelling wise, when people can see what other people are doing, especially in their own community, they start getting more hyped and like excited for it. At least for me, um, like for instance, I'm in Miami and I went to a school called HML, Highly Miami Lake Senior High. And um, recently, the students that are still there created like an environmental club. And like just seeing that and knowing like people I knew were getting involved in a way that was completely absent was like, oh, man, I want to I want to give back, you know, it makes me want to pay it forward in that way. Um, and visuals are so, so key for the environmental movement. It's very helpful to have Peter as well, because we're still a new organization. We're still kind of in our startup phase. We, we've only been in existence since 2017. And so just even just developing our brand and making people aware that we are exist is still like a benchmark that we're trying to work on. So Peter's been very helpful and trying, you know, and working to get the name, our word out about um, how it works. On that note of like getting the word out and on, on the note of interaction, how has this past year with the pandemic and its challenges impacted Howard EcoWorks' capacity to do outreach? 
It's been a real challenge um, for the business, again, even as a startup company and having to uh, navigate the pandemic. We lost a bunch of grants and um, sources of revenue that we were counting on in the beginning of 2020. So we changed our business model on the fly to be a social enterprise, which means that um, we are a nonprofit organization still, of course, but we will do fee for what we call fee-for-service work, and the profits that are generated from those services go back to supporting the programming and the operations of the organization. So that's been really critical in getting us through the pandemic. It was successful. Um, it has created some operational difficulties, but um, we were able to be profitable by the end of the year and we didn't need to lay anybody off or anything like that. But yes. we have, so now we have, yeah, <laughs> we have all these new lines of business um, that Peter is helping us to market because um, that's really marketing is now much more important to us than it, than it even was before, because we're trying to actually sell services to sustain the organization financially. Um, just a couple examples of those, lines of business would be like our consultation service where we will uh, send a designer out to help uh, a homeowner with their you know drainage issues erosion issues help them give them advice about how they can make their landscapes more sustainable um, we also have another new service uh, called rent an eco crew and a homeowner can um, essentially rent a couple of trained um, crew members to come out to their property and help them with some things on their in their yards, like um, building a garden bed or doing some weeding. Um, that that service was when I envisioned it. It was targeted more for like a senior population and people, maybe also um, working moms or working parents, working dads too, um, working parents that have trouble, you know, getting out to do their yard work. Um, so demographics like that that might benefit from having some extra yard work support in their yard and that's been a successful service that we've launched so that has been the big um, change for us from the pandemic was changing this whole business model and we're trying to still work through that in 2021 on the same or on a similar note on like facing pandemic challenges personally speaking how have you two been how have you two been navigating, whether it's been the past week or the past year. Um, Peter, let's start with you. Um, it's, like, it's definitely been um, fun, like learning um, along the process. Um, of course, like me being on site and um, physical on ground, like with them when they're doing certain programs, I get to kind of learn just like the volunteers. Um, and kind of learn about, you know, the trees and the different programs that are out there that could be used to support um, the narrative that, that I'm trying to push that I didn't know about. Like, um, I had learned about them. Um, I think it was at one of the sites where the program director was teaching the students how to use um, your phone to, like, identify a tree. Like, there's an app that you can go and just literally take a picture and it'll tell you what tree it is. Like, I didn't know that that type of technology Wait. was even around me. Wait, so, can, you, can, can you send me that app? Because that's yeah, something he, he, I'd love to have. The, yeah, he was telling the, the volunteers about it. So so I was just learning just with them and I was like, oh, wow. So, you know, technology is even beyond what I'm thinking, even as the marketing intern. So I'm learning every day, you know, through the program already um, and just kind of digging into my brains 
um, you know, to, to kind of help, um, you know, spread the awareness of what they have going on and um, use, utilize socials and utilize um, graphics and help enhance all those little factors that end up being big factors at the end of the day um, is really what the experience has been like. And of course, like juggling the different tasks, which is pretty um, fun because I don't like not doing anything. So I definitely like the fact that I'm, I'm pretty much always busy and I'm, and I'm not, um, you know, on site, uh, you know, doing what the volunteers are doing, but I feel like I'm just as busy as like a volunteer outside and, uh, you know, outside helping the community um, with all the great programs they have. So yeah, it's definitely been great so far though, for the most part. That's fascinating. That's, that's so fascinating. Um, how about you, Miss Louie? Um, how have I been getting along through the pandemic? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I'm mostly relying on taking lots of walks and being outside and gardening. I mean, I think the staying at home part has been great. I'm kind of a homebody anyway and a little bit of an introvert, so I don't mind uh, being around here. But I have managed to keep uh, swimming. The pool did stay open um, with appointments, so that really helps with my mental state to be able to do things like exercise. Also, most of the pandemic, our ultimate Frisbee team has stayed active, except in the beginning. We did take a break in the beginning when the pandemic first started. So all, all of those avenues that allow me to, it's really hard for me to stop thinking about work and stop worrying about this company. And, you know, something like Frisbee is like the only way that I can get myself to stop thinking about it. You know, I have to focus on catching and throwing the Frisbee. So, um, that has been really helpful in getting me through the pandemic. Yeah. I don't play Frisbee, but I do resonate with having uh, like a physical activity outlet. Like for me, it's been basketball. Me and a really close friend play almost every Sunday, just like the news, um, like getting into college, not having a graduation. Cause you know, last year I graduated and it's like, Oh, Nope. Um, mm -hmm. All those things like having something to just hone in on is really helpful. So mm -hmm. I've always heard ultimate Frisbee is fun. Um, <laughs> it's a really good cardio workout. It looks like it. So on the note of, um, I guess hope, because there's, there's some hopefulness in there in how we navigate unprecedented times has been mm -hmm. said a lot. Um, are there any future projects or initiatives that you two are looking forward to in particular? Yeah, we have a, a, this project that we're working on developing at the Meriwether Post Pavilion um, with a group called Inner Arbor Trust. They are the nonprofit entity that manages the Symphony Woods, which is all around um, Meriwether Post. Do you know Meriwether? Um, I'm, I'm not familiar. Okay, it's a it's a big venue. Like they have huge concerts there. It's in downtown Columbia. Um, it's, it's a highly visible location and it gets, well, I don't even know how many hundreds of thousands of people probably during non-pandemic times would be going through there to see, um, various concerts or performing arts or other things, but they have this uh, open space area around the venue and, um, it's in need of rehabilitation. There's, and it's one of the last open spaces in downtown Columbia. So we are um, getting ready to launch a fundraising campaign with Inner Arbor Trust to, to rehabilitate some of the natural areas around the Symphony Woods. And it's going to include like all of these native 
plant landscapes and reforestation and things like that. And we'll be, um, you know, really emphasizing our green jobs program in this really visible location and trying to raise awareness about all of the good work that we're trying to do, utilizing plants from the corrections department in support of that program. So there's really a lot of wins around it. And so we're really looking forward to, to hopefully getting our fundraising campaign um, launched actually on Monday. Um, and that will support our ready summer crews to be out there. We can hire more people to be out there doing this work over the summer. So that's pretty exciting. And we're, we're looking forward to that. Wow. That's like, that sounds like an ecosystem of opportunities. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, Peter, how about you? I'm just hoping to support the narrative via socials as much as I can. Uh, just hoping to spread the word, increase the regular numbers, you know, try and have some improvement stats to show while I'm here. So, yeah. Awesome. So we're nearing the end of, you know, our conversation here, but I try to make it a tradition to end by asking the guests to offer um, the audience a challenge or tip or bit of advice on how to get involved with environmental orgs or how to connect with nature um, or how to just be active in general. So could both of you provide like one or two tips on how to do any one of those things? Sure. Um, I mean, I think for local people, we would really love to have some volunteers helping us out in various capacities. We would love to have more people engaged with the work that we're doing. They can um, help out in our nursery. In, in addition to the inmates that are there, we also have regular volunteer days. Um, we have just lots of, I mean, every day our teams are out in the community doing real environmental restoration work, and we invite um opportunities for people to work alongside us to do that important work. Um, and I also would just say, I guess, on people's own properties are really a lot of things that somebody can do on their own piece of land that will help to make the environment better. You can um, manage invasive species, you can plant native plants, you can do things to remediate stormwater runoff. Um, you can provide habitat for birds. Um, and then there, there are endless things that you can do even on a small property that will help to benefit your very local natural resources. And so we would invite people to do as much as they can on their own properties. That's really helpful. Thank you. Yeah, just like she said, just do it. I mean, I feel like a lot of it is just kind of executing the plan. I feel like a lot of people kind of have an eye, a small idea of a little bit. I feel like if they just take the time to go out, educate themselves and kind of execute what they're learning about um, by going to sites like Howard EcoWorks site, um, I feel like you'll probably have a great start in getting involved as much as you can. Um, you know, looking for similar organizations in your local communities, seeing how you can get involved. And I feel like the more people get involved, um, you know, is less talking or doing. Um, um, we'll be able to, you know, f more f quickly, not overnight, but more quickly achieve the goal faster than usual if we have more hands on deck. So, yeah, like, you know, even if it's positions like the marketing and press, PR, whatever you can do, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, picking up the tools and going outside. There's still a way to kind of help support the cause. So whatever shoe fits to help, you know, get that done, just get that done. So, yeah, just do it. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much for, for your time. Thank you so much for your perspectives and for your work, especially. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Akil. This was great. Yeah. I appreciate it. 
Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed the conversation and found value in what we talked about. If you want to learn more about Howard EcoWorks, visit their website at howardecoworks.org. You can also check them out on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. All of their information will be in today's show notes. If you are part of a community whose environmental work you'd like featured on our podcast, send us a message at communityecologyinstitute.org. We would love to hear from you. So feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, once again, at Community Ecology Institute. You can subscribe to Community Blooms on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else where you get your podcasts. So until next time, develop your point of view, do the best that you can do, and strive to make sure your community blooms. Peace.